0: Hi, North. How are we doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I know some of us are uh, still thinking what our Halloween costume should be and, or if we're going to brave the elements and take the kids out to get way too much candy. Um, but it's a fun time. It's a fun time of year. November is this week. It's like, man, where did the year go by? And in my mind, I have to debate if i had to do it if i'm doing a turkey trot or not this year <laughs> i have never run a marathon but as a sprinter my entire life a 5k is the closest thing i will come to a marathon okay but turkey trots are fun yes. you know i go out there because it makes the this honey baked ham the sweet potatoes taste that much better <laughs> but some people go out there In silly outfits, you see guys in tutus and all kinds of different things. They're just having fun with it. Last year, it was so cold. I have no idea how some of these people dress that way. Um, But then some people show up with the full gear. They're warming up. They're going to the starting line in a full sweat because they are in it to win it. They're in it to win it and they position themselves in a place at the beginning of the line, you have the whole pack of the starting line, I'm probably like, hey, my goal is if I don't walk this entire time, I've accomplished my goal. I don't care about my time. I just don't want to walk. Okay? I'm just going nice steady pace. I'm gonna position myself mid to late back, okay? But if you're in the front of the line, you're in it to win it. This is what you do. I run miles, I do this stuff, I train for this. And some of those people, 5K is not good enough. They'll they'll do a 10K. They'll run a course twice. And you're like, what? Just wild people, okay? (laughs) And as you always start the race, there's usually some kind of speaker that gets everyone hyped. They got like Top Gun music playing and you're all amped up before the start, right? And the gun goes off and you'll see the front of the people, they take off because they're in it to win it you get got the people behind them who got too much Top Gun adrenaline going, and so they're sprinting, and then like 400 meters down the road, they're walking, right? Because they're like, they, got, they, they didn't know what was going on. You got some people, um, you know, you'll see midway through the race, uh, think it was a good idea to wear new shoes that they never worn before in a 5K race. And next thing you know, instead of looking for water, they're looking for a Band-Aid because they got blisters on their feet. And all I'm trying to do is be slow and steady to finish the race. Get my little pie that they give at the end, go home so I can enjoy food and football the rest of the day. Right. And while between football races, uh, football games, I'll typically get a text message or an email with the results of the race. Now, I don't really care what my time is. I, I just, but well, I'm curious. I'm not trying to win it, but I'll look it up. I say, oh, for my age group, not too bad, Trevor, not too bad. I probably could do better, but it is what it is. It's not, this is not my deal. But what always amazes me is if you keep scrolling, and at the bottom, You will see a ton of names with the letters DNF next to it. For those that run, what's that mean? (laughs) Did not finish. A 5K! (laughs) They started, but somewhere along the line, they're like, nope, too much. Come on, come on. Now, a 5K does seem like a marathon to me. But I've also been a runner my entire life. At a certain point in my life, I was racing at a high level. So I know a thing or two about running, OK? But did not finish? Man, it always stood out to me. Why do so many people start a race but do not finish? It's interesting because most of the leaders in the Bible, a lot of them have a DNF next to them. In fact, over 400 leaders in the Bible are mentioned. Only about 80, I would say, finished well. It is easy to start things, it is difficult to finish them. Very easy to say, I do. Hard to build a long-lasting relationship. Very easy to enroll in college. They'll put you in debt so you can enroll. It's very tough to pass all the classes and get a degree. Easy to go on a diet for a day. Very difficult to lose weight over time. It's not that difficult to pray to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Very difficult to be a disciple and be obedient. And it's interesting because over and over again in the news, especially in the last few years, we see church leader after leader, praise worship leader, etc. fall because of a number of issues. Not one of them probably entered into leadership in the church and say, you know what, one day I'm going to fall and I'm going to fail miserably. I'm going to fall into temptation, I'm going to cave into discouragement, I'm going to walk away from the faith, or I'm going to cheat on my wife and lose the platform that I have. What can we do to make sure that each and every single one of us don't end up as a statistic? And it's interesting because we can learn a lot from a 16-year-old today. 2 Chronicles 26 is where we'll pick up. And I do my study in the NIV, so if you want to follow along, that's where we'll be. Or, um, you know, we have it on nice, giant large screen uh, for you. But 2 Chronicles 26 says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, And made him king in the place of his father, Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. Uzziah was 16 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah, she was from Jerusalem. Is there a better time than being 16 years old? Remember when you were 16? Kirsten, you turned 16 before I did. I, I remember when you got your car and you came to pick me up. The freedom we had. I got my, we got a driver's license. We got the music blasting. We I can go wherever we want. My priorities was to get a date, <laughs> to be a better uh, basketball player and a track athlete, to manage my zits, and to get a date. That was my priorities, okay? (laughs) And here we have Uzziah. After his father, now I, I didn't read the previous chapter, but his father got caught up in a conspiracy and they killed him. Your nation's not doing well and they run a coup. And they kill the leader. It's not doing pretty well. But as it was for the oldest born son, once the king dies, to assume leadership. And as 16 year olds, instead of trying to find a homecoming date, he is responsible for the diplomacy of an entire nation. Man, that's a weighty responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's heavy. Probably felt very unqualified. Those with uh, middle schoolers know how unqualified they are. They can barely run and clean their room, let alone clean a nation. (laughs) Okay? So (laughs) this is what Uzziah finds himself at. Let's see how he did. Verse 4. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. He went to war against the Philistines, or broke down the walls of Gath, Jebna, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Garbal and against the Midianites. The Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. Uzziah built t- towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Uzziah had a well-trained army, ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as mustered by jail, the secretary of Messis and Messisiah, the, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against his enemies. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows, and slingstones for the entire army. In Jerusalem... He made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. For a 16-year-old, this is pretty darn good. In fact, if you were to look at the scoreboard at halftime, he's probably got a 21-point lead. He is doing really well. You come in at halftime, you're feeling good, you know, you're high-fiving each other, everything's going right, my armies are doing well, my finances are going well, people are scared of me so they pay me money so I don't invade them. They're, everything I touch, I'm rebuilding cities, I'm rebuilding the, my army and, and defenses to, to protect my people. Wow. He's doing a lot right. Yes. He's got a three-score lead going to halftime. They are high-fiving. When you got a big lead at halftime, trust me, the mood is much better <laughs> than when you're down by three scores. Right. Things are going right. And the reason why things are going right is because Uzziah did a, a, a number of things right. The first thing he did was answer the call. Too many people look down on people who answer the call. It is a weight and responsibility. Now he had a large much arts responsibility that I can even imagine. Well, he didn't cower away from it. He didn't run from it. He answered the call. Mm-hmm. Too many of you aren't living the life you should be because you keep putting God's call on ignore. Usai honored the memory of his father, the king, by taking up the reins of leadership. He was meant to. From a young child, he was the oldest son. He knew one day he was going to have to do it. His dad was not going to live forever. Now, you probably didn't imagine him taking over at 16. He probably thought, okay, maybe 32, I could do it. But at 16, he had to step up. And he answered the call. We may not know the circumstances we get placed in. But when he does call, we better answer it. The next best thing he did was he recognized his greatest asset. Mm -hmm. It wasn't how much money was in the treasury. It wasn't how many men he had in his armies or how many generals he had. It wasn't how far his country was or how fertile the lands were. His greatest asset simply was God? It said, as long as he stayed with God, God gave him some success. Seems very easy, but as you know, it's difficult to do so. I mean, imagine the life of a president. Going from meeting to meeting, brief to brief, press conference to press conference, delegating certain things. You are busy. From the moment you wake up, your schedule is in in place to the moment you go to bed. I mean, the press secretary gives the public what the president is doing every day. He gives them the schedule. It's already marked out for him. But Uzziah, I don't know if it was wisdom or what, he was incredibly wise for his age, found some time to slow his life down. so that he can go to God, his greatest asset, to have a relationship with him, to hear from him, and probably vent to him. And as long as he did that, the Bible says he was successful. Too many leaders fall away because instead of relying on God, they think they did it themselves. Mm-hmm. Amen. Come on. The greatest asset any leader can have is the blessing of God. Yes. Period. Yes. For those of you, your life has been chaos. See how many times you were with God and how many times you weren't. Right. On, the results speak for itself. The next thing I, did, I like about Uzziah is he maximized his life. He built cities, towers, wells, armies, weapons of war. He won battles, and his fame spread as, as well as he served the people. Life offers, offers each of us opportunities. Whether being be complacent and lazy and just do the status quo, Uzziah took the reins of his life and pushed forward. He went after it. His country was in disarray. And he said, not on my watch. He was bold and brave enough to push forward. Everything from agriculture to weapons of war, he improved. He could have whined about circumstances. Oh, They killed my father. They're surely going to kill me. He could have lived in fear his entire life. Paranoid. Watching his back. Now, I'm sure he probably did that just to make sure he doesn't get killed, as every leader does. But he stepped up to the plate, was not happy with the status quo, and pushed forward. Most great leaders are that. Now, I'm not saying every single one of us is going to be like Martin Luther King and push forward. But if you're a christ North man or woman, Pastor Field says, you know, all of us are, can be leaders in our own capacity, whether it be in the workforce, in our families, in the communities we serve. Uzziah wasn't happy with the status quo, and he maximized his life. That's a great thing, and he should be committed for it. The problem is, the first half went great, but there's a second half to every game. Let's see how it turned out for Uzziah. Verse 16, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in their presence, before the incense altar in the Lord's temple leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest and all the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, Leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham his son had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. Man, don't you hate it when your team has a three-score lead going to halftime and they choke. There is nothing more infuriating as a sports fan than when you have a lead like that and your team loses. Those are the games you just want to, I'm going to go in a dark room and not talk about it. (laughs) But when I was reading, I heard you feel it when King Uzziah choked. I heard a lot of groans. You guys were like, mmm. What a sad ending to a good leader's life. Doing so well, did so many good things. And to end up leprous in a separate house, away from your family, away from God in the temple, in your church, away from the nation that you helped built up, dying alone. Incredible mm-hmm. powerful man. Millions and millions of followers on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> died alone, sad and hopeless. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is the first word in verse 16. But. Bill Cosby did a lot of good things, but. We are too familiar with the buts. Uzziah had been seeking God consistently, doing what was right, and eventually, somewhere along the line, his butt snuck in. That butt was his pride, mm-hmm. come on, come on. and because of this vulnerability, led him to, led him into temptation. Each and every single one of us have a have a butt. Mm-hmm. Uzziah forgot his, and why wouldn't it sneak in? Have all these followers on Instagram. My country's doing well. I'm super powerful and rich. I have a bunch of armies. These priests are just people. They're just like you and me. Why can't I go into the altar? I got favored with God. It's pride. It's whispering to Him. Of course you are. Everyone knows who you are. You can, everything He touched was good. Everything he did turned into gold, basically. Each of us have a but statement. A but statement is a potentially troublesome area in your life that smolders beneath the surface. It's like a log that the fire won't go out. Paul who wrote half the New Testament, talked about the thorn in his flesh. He knew it was there. He couldn't pull it out, but he knew it was there, right beneath the surface, ready to be exposed anytime. any mm-hmm. Now, you can douse that fire with the water of worship, of scripture memory, of community and church, and you can manage it very, very well. But once you don't, that small flame becomes a forest fire and it can wreck millions of acres of land in your life. At some point and for some reason, Uzziah must have gotten away from his spiritual disciplines. He probably stopped meeting with God. He probably stopped setting the time to do what was right. He knew he wasn't supposed to touch the incense, but he became arrogant, he became prideful. Everything I did was good, so why can't I do this? That smoldering log became a forest fire that was uncontrollable. And it took all the good things he did and added a but statement to the end. What is your but statement? Do you know what your butt statement is? Those who finish a race probably know themselves pretty well. They've charted the course. They're like, okay, before the race, I know about two-thirds in, there is a hill. I have to save some energy because I know I need to attack that hill two-thirds of the race in. I know if I drank enough water, if I prepare myself well enough. Athletes who, athletes who are well-conditioned know themselves very, very well. They are finely tuned machined. But Do you know yours? Do you know you? Do you are you open and honest with yourself? I know my butt statements, and I'm very open and honest. I know sports gambling would be too much for me. Sports gambling, sports is my number one hobby. I love sports. It takes up most of my free time. I'm listening to podcasts, breaking down the game I just watched. I I, I, I turn to Stephen A. Smith and him see him scream all every morning, right? Sports is kind of my world. I feel like I know too much about sports. And I can't believe they disrespect the Chiefs with that kind of line, so I'm going to bet money so I can win some. And because I know so much, I know I'm going to win that bet. And I've already spent that money in my head until they lose the colts. <laughs> Explain that to me. I have no idea. And then I get angry. And I take it out the people around me. Or I chase the losses to try to make up for it. I know sports gambling is too much for me. I can't put myself, I can't open that, I can't put some fire on that log. Mm -hmm. I'm too competitive. I know too much about sports. And the last time I checked, they keep building casinos. They don't tear them down. So there's a lot of people like me. i got to keep that log in check. Mm -hmm. Sexual desires, environments, and lush, And lust. And another one is my ambition. I know my ambition can get the best of me. I become solely focused on certain things and push other things out so I can accomplish the things I want to. I know that's a struggle for me. And one day I hope to have a family and marriage and a family and kids. And if my ambition gets the best of me, then I can't be the father God called me to be or the husband God called me to be. So I have to keep water on that log. Even when I think my world couldn't fall apart like Uzziah's, it easily could. If I start gambling, it can put my family and finances in stress. And I lose the things that are things I've been praying and wanting for my entire life. I'm a kid of divorce, and I sit here to, to, to judge my parents. But as a man in, in today's society, it would break me if I lost control of my kids. So first thing I must do is be gut-level honest with myself about identifying my flaws. Don't play games with these vulnerabilities. It takes great courage to be truthful, especially about yourself. There's a short, there's a list I created um, of various leaders who have but statements. See if you find yourself in any one of these. Rich young ruler loved money more than eternal life. Herod loved himself more than God. David was independent. Martha was too busy. The man with the barns was greedy. Pilate caved into peer pressure. The rich man loved comfort. Nebuchadnezzar was exceedingly proud. Demas loved the world more than heaven. Ananias and Sapphira loved recognition. Judas loved silver more than Jesus. Simon the sorcerer loved power and control. Samson had a lust problem. Solomon let women turn his heart away from God. Peter was overconfident. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Now, I I commend all those people in the Bible for starting the race. But they didn't finish because they were unaware of their but statement and the vulnerabilities that that it it put into their life. Me, the temptations you fall into is because you're vulnerable to it. Alcohol and drugs are not a thing for me because I hate being out of control. So why would I put myself in a position where I feel like I'm out of control? That's easy for me to say no to alcohol and drugs. Easy, easy for me not to abuse that because that's not a vulnerability to me. But other things are and I have to be real and honest with myself. And the way you can help keep them under control is think through the damage your flaw can cause. Before we buy a car, we think about how much gas mileage does it it have? What's the price? Can I afford this? Can I budget for it? How much is insurance? What's the maintenance going to cost me? Right? And all these different things. We, We naturally do this because we're understanding the risks involved before I buy and purchase this thing. But we don't do that with ourselves. What are the risks I can put myself in if I do not keep my vulnerabilities in check? Could I lose my family? Could I lose my wife? Could I lose my kids? Could I lose my job and career? There's a young San Antonio player that just got cut because he made a bad decision. Exposed himself to a female coworker, Instead of getting paid millions of dollars, now he's on the unemployment line. 19 years old. Incredibly skilled to be in the NBA at that, at that age. Maybe he'll get back. Maybe not. But man, what a wasted opportunity when you do not keep your vulnerabilities in check. So I encourage you to do something brave, to admit your fatal flaw, your but statement. What will they say about you? I remember doing an exercise one time to write your eulogy. What will they say about you? And make sure there's no buts to it. how you can do this is research biblical truth relating to your flaw. I just wrote a handful of lists up there. But there's someone that has your flaw that's been talked about in the Bible. Period. Research it. Search it. Google search Y'all got the Bible app and stuff on your phone? Just, Just research it. Gambling. Boom. Scriptures. You'll see it. If not, Leaders here can help you out. We can get you an accordion and stuff like that. We, we'll help you out. We'll get you the tools and resources to help you research your flaw. Or just look around the room. Other people made the same flaw. They may have an answer. Trust me, it will make a difference. Another thing you can do is share your butt statement with a safe friend. Don't just be saying, sharing this with everybody, but make sure you have someone that you trust with that kind of vulnerability that can keep an eye out for you, can help protect you and help mold you so that you keep putting water on it instead of inflaming it. Come on. Come on. Come on. See, a good friend won't take a, someone who has alcohol addiction to Buffalo Wild Wings in a bar to watch a game. I'm not going to put my friend in that kind of position to put fire on the flame. Instead, hey, you want to watch the game? How about you come over? I'll have Kool-Aid and lemonade. We still have a great time. Still enjoy the same game. I'm just not going to put my friend in that kind of position. Period. James 5.16 says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that they may be healed. If you are feeling vulnerable we'll have a time opportunity for you to come to the altar at the end of church where you can get prayed and hopefully start the healing process. Because in the fifth statement if you can't gain victory over vulnerability to temptation look at your past to heal your wounds. Some of the things that you're dealing with is from childhood. Some of your vulnerabilities are hereditary. Some of your vulnerabilities are from past wounds or relationships or mistakes you made. And you keep falling into them because you haven't healed from it. I encourage you to seek guidance and counseling on these things. If you keep running the same mistakes over and over again there's a common denominator. It's probably you. You might need to get healing somewhere to find the root cause of the problem and the issue so that you can get healed from it so you don't keep making the same mistake. Surround yourself with people that you love and can trust who are open and honest with you just as you're open and honest with yourself. And then if you need to, get some professional help. If you have questions, Sister Gwen and Pastor Fields will get you a good Christian guidance counselor that can help work through some of these things. Because you're not maximizing your life because you haven't healed in order to do so. Kind of hard to run when your Achilles is torn. Got to heal the Achilles before you can run. Come on, come on. Yeah. Too many times we'll criticize a guy like Isaiah. Did a lot of good things. Answered the call. God was his greatest asset. He was doing it for a long time but his but statement is what we remember. Make sure your but statement is in control. Uh, I'll invite uh, Brother Isaac up here as we close this out. But if you have any, any issues, if you have but statements, leave them here.